<laughs> Guys, I can't fucking wait to see that movie. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And this week, we are bringing you a very special feature. Oh, yes. yes. We're going to play a fun little game of Mary Fuck Kill. I cannot wait to watch this movie again. It's just so fucking weird. We're about to hit the dance floor at Jackrabbit Slims because we've got that Saturday night fever, baby. I loved this movie too. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I just pray that Green Book doesn't win this. Oh picture. god, I know. That- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we discuss a movie we've all seen and either delve into our weekend entertainment, focus in on a performer's career, or buy an extra large popcorn and do a double feature. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And y'all, this week's episode is such a doozy. Oh golly, it's positively filled to bursting with wisdom. We are reminded that you don't have to be dowdy to be a Christian, that a blazer never existed that wasn't made better with sequins, that sexy men with guitars will only lead you astray, that a little lipstick goes a long way and a lot of mascara goes a whole lot longer. We are reminded that an empire can be built on puppets, uplifting songs, and about 46 layers of eyeshadow. And above all else, we are reminded that God loves you. He really, really loves you. (laughs) Inspired by the 2000 documentary of the same name, narrated by RuPaul, I might add, the Eyes of Tammy Faye is directed by Michael Showalter and stars Jessica Chastain in the titular role alongside Andrew Garfield as her husband, Jim Baker. The film tracks a huge swath of Tammy Faye's life from the moment she and Jim meet and fall in love through their meteoric rise in American popular culture to their fall from grace amidst scandal. And in the end, taking us to Tammy's redemption. This film asks a question. When religion and capitalism hop in bed together, the line between fundamental Christian values and personal ambitions can get a bit blurry. Does applying three inches of mascara make it impossible to see what's right in front of you, or does it make you willfully blind to the truth? Mm. First impression, Helen. Well, this was the first new release that I have seen in theaters since last October when we saw Possessor, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. And yeah, the first thing I thought was Jessica Chastain looks like she just got her wisdom teeth taken out. (laughs) Like, that's the look. Everybody knows when they got their wisdom teeth taken out, Mm -hmm. it says little chipmunk bottom cheeks. But Mm -hmm. that's just how she's supposed to look for this whole movie. So that's all I could think about for the first, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Sinclair? Okay, well, I thought that this film starting off with Tammy Faye talking to the makeup artist and saying she doesn't want her eyelashes removed to be very effective because Mm. it gave us a glimpse into who she was as a person Mm -hmm. and not just a caricature. Mm -hmm. You see her saying that my eyelashes are my identity Mm -hmm. and it's her not wanting to compromise something about herself, which we do go on to see different aspects of that in the film. So I thought it was a really interesting way to introduce us to her mm-hmm. and I only have memories of her when I was young when it would the 700 club would come on the television and mm. that's that's it she wasn't really a person to me so right. I liked this opening and not to sound too cheesy or on the nose but this is called the eyes of Tammy Faye so I thought it was an appropriate shot and right. it also sets you up to watch the movie through her eyes as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I missed the opening what? <laughs> oh god yeah I know yeah I know so my first impression was actually like r- rushing into the cinema because I was okay. like a few minutes late mm-hmm. so the first thing that I saw was her meeting Andrew Garfield in class 
Oh, I think wow. I missed like 10 minutes. Yeah. So that sounds really interesting, actually. Was it like her later in life at the yes. beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but I'm with you, Helen, because the very first thing <laughs> I saw was Jessica Chastain's swollen face. And, and yeah. all I could think was like, wow, those prosthetics are really, really distracting. Yes. Because mm. she has a, a distinctively angular face. She does. Yeah. She's got a harsh jawline and cheekbones and not a round face at all <laughs> at all yeah. yeah so it was very distracting mm-hmm. and it took me a full 10 minutes or so to kind of stop seeing it yeah too. okay well why don't we get into the storytelling yeah okay well as you said edison this is based off of a documentary of the same name so yeah i actually i i did watch it and it is narrated by rupaul which is quite entertaining and the dramatized version is like almost identical to the documentary really yeah Mm. minus a couple of things but i i found that really interesting because i know that jessica chastain had seen the documentary and that was what she was the one she produced the film and she was bought the rights to it and everything it's it's very interesting to me that uh they are so similar i kind Mm -hmm. of assumed more creative liberties would be taken it made me see the movie differently because i had some judgments about it while I was watching that kind of got squashed after watching the documentary. Okay, Mm -hmm. interesting. But then the other thing that I found was this is Michael Showalter. He's primarily in comedy. You know, he wrote Wet Hot American Summer and tends to do that type of project. Yeah. And so I wasn't quite sure how to interpret this movie and what the tone was. Right. And it took me a good 30 to 45 minutes to get on board with the tone but even by the end of it I was still a little bit like are they making fun of her yes right that was a big thing for me was it was hard for me to tell if I'm supposed to find it funny if I'm supposed to make fun of these people or am I supposed to have sympathy for her is this a comedy is it a biopic is it a drama you know I was kind of circling around all those ideas the whole time not to say I didn't enjoy it because I actually really did enjoy this movie Mm -hmm. genre wise I think it's a little all over the place what did you guys think I can get on board with that I actually think that that is part of what made it interesting for me okay was that kind of walking along that line right because Tammy Faye like you Sinclair I only she didn't exist as a real person to me Mm -hmm. we were very young right with Tammy Faye and all of that Mm -hmm. so she I definitely knew of Tammy Faye but Mm -hmm. she just existed as a a punchline right right and so an SNL you know growing up with an SNL skit totally I think that this film is saying how do you look at somebody that existed like this Mm -hmm. and see their story and that is definitely part of it because she made herself that punchline in a lot of ways right but also, this is a very real person mm-hmm. with all of these qualities, too. And I found, I, I thought it definitely was a favorable portrayal of yes. her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like sycophantic, but it, it didn't, uh, it didn't paint a, it didn't delve into at her all. darkness at all. No, yeah. even her drug abuse, mm-hmm. you know, her pill abuse was just barely touched on. And yeah. it was like she was over it instantly. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sinclair? I thought this was a really interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I actually really liked this film. Yeah, me too. There were certain things about the storytelling that I usually wouldn't... They usually wouldn't work for me. Mm. And I found that with this film, it did. Like yeah. what? Well, I feel like this is kind of a standard story of someone's fall from grace, yeah. drug addiction. And it just didn't play like that for me. 
I was in it. I and a lot of that has to do with Jessica Chastain, yeah. mm-hmm. but also I just found Tammy Faye Baker's story really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I found Jim Baker very fascinating mm-hmm. and using religion as a tool to justify their capitalism. Yeah, yeah. I just found it all incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. So I was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually think that the film touched on uh, something that's actually kind of really cool about this time. Mm-hmm. You can see the dynamic of her kind of standing up for, you know, she was very much a like, let's just listen to the words of Jesus and comfort people and not get involved in politics. Right. Versus you saw the Jerry Falwell character mm-hmm. being very much like, no, we need to, this is our time, our chance to influence the Reagan administration yeah. and get in yeah. there, right? And bring the conservative Christians to the Republican Party and all of that. So this was a real turning point in that culture and we're seeing the impact of that now yeah. in the media. Yeah. That very, very hard line like right-wing fundamental Christian value mm-hmm. system as being so part of the political world. And this film kind of introduces us to Jim and Tammy Faye as being part of the genesis of oh, this yeah. whole mm-hmm. thing. And I think that's really interesting and it's a push and pull of that dynamic. Yeah. Well, and in terms of the genre of it mm-hmm. and the tone of it, this film didn't even need to do anything right. in terms of genre and tone. Totally. This was absurd. Right. Yes. Televangelists, they were completely absurd. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there were moments while watching this film where I chuckled, but the film wasn't trying to be intentionally funny. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to poke fun at her. It didn't need to do right. anything. It just was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And when you watch actual interviews with her and, and Jim Baker, that's what they were like. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so well, I don't feel like the film needed to push anything. But that's what I mean when I say that watching the documentary gave me a different appreciation for the movie mm-hmm. because they're listen I didn't know who they were growing mm. up it was I was too young for it yeah. I knew televangelists existed but mm-hmm. I didn't know who they were watching the movie I'm like it seems like you are making fun of them because this can't be real mm-hmm. you know and then watching the documentary and seeing how close it was to that and that that's what she was like I'm like oh no this is literally just a dramatization of who this person was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she is that way Mm -hmm. you know and so it made me look at the movie and go like okay I guess that was truthful (laughs) yeah well I had a lot of moments this week with the content for this episode Mm. and especially this film where I was sitting and watching it and having a like a crisis in my head going what is everything mm-hmm. what is this yeah this is absurd mm-hmm. yeah and this is real yeah and people use religion to do things like right. this. yeah but one thing that i did really like about this film was that it showed me a side of tammy faye baker that i didn't know i didn't know what a activist she was right. mm-hmm. for the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no idea. I watched the Nightline mm. interview and it moved me to tears. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Like it's great in the film. I'm glad that the they... one where she speaks to the AIDS patient. Oh yes. Yeah. So I watched both. Oh, so okay. I watched the Nightline interview where it's her and Jim Baker. And then I also watched the um, Tammy's House Party interview the one with mm. Steve Peters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Steve Peters one, like it it drove me to tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was so 
incredible Mm -hmm. to watch and she's so sincere and authentic Mm -hmm. that's that person actually is a kind person yeah she actually she actually cares about people Mm -hmm. yeah and jessica (laughs) chastain does so well with that Mm -hmm. scene in the film she really does yeah that i mean i'm glad that people will actually see that because i had no idea that that interview even existed yeah and me neither also the nightline interview is Is that the one where it's the two of them after yeah after the fact okay and you can and you can watch the control that jim has over her she's like a completely different person she's not saying what she wants to say the life is just Mm. out of her eyes she Mm -hmm. feels so much shame and recreating these scenes in the movie is it's incredibly done because it's it's so authentic to the yeah. actual footage of it right yeah. it's so accurate Th- that was also something that i learned new about tammy mm-hmm. faye in this film now i've known of tammy faye as being kind of a gay icon right but i didn't realize that it was because of her activism right at right. all i just thought it was because of her fabulousness basically <laughs> like she is essentially a drag queen mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, right. actually. Yeah, except with less blended makeup. Right. And like, <laughs> but um, I didn't. So I didn't realize that. I know her because like Ginger Minj did her for Snatch Game on All Stars Two and Drag Race, oh. and you know what I mean because of that. And th- this type of of woman, there's so many gay icons that are these women who are fabulous, but really they have the struggle and it's the perseverance and usually their men are awful to them Mm. right it's tina turner it's diana ross it's Cher, it's whitney you know all of these women they struggle with drug addiction because that's something that's the gay community can unfortunately relate to and connect with but they still push through there's an element of refusing to change their style her Mm -hmm. refusing to take change her makeup and change all of that well also wearing makeup was really frowned on yeah absolutely in the religious community yeah exactly and so for her to just do it and do so much of it and do so much she was like oh i'm not just gonna wear makeup i'm gonna wear literally all of makeup there's something that i think that's part of why she's a gay icon so to learn this other part that even in the most you know Mm. running the largest christian television network on the planet Mm -hmm. and actually refusing to condemn homosexuality in the 80s right at the heights of aids panic Mm -hmm. it is really incredible to learn that actually and also the uh stuff with jim baker with yeah with him you know maybe he was a homosexual Mm -hmm. and her grappling with that i think Mm -hmm. a lot of that too was the kindness in her heart but also wanting to understand because she had these feelings that her husband might be gay yeah yeah and her wanting to be kind and understand and with jim baker i think see it's interesting when you watch him because he's just a mogul at the end of the day Mm -hmm. you know he's a businessman that's like he's he's as bad as jordan belfort in wolf of wall street that's him he's just doing things quote unquote Mm -hmm. in the name of god but i think that she genuinely wanted to help people yeah Yeah. and the movie really does show you her kindness and Mm -hmm. she does get caught up in the extravagance of everything but she's also an addict at the end of the Mm -hmm. day they don't really show you a lot of her drug addiction but she's addicted to everything she's addicted to shopping she's addicted to diet Diet coke Coke. (laughs) you know this is an excessive person dealing with addiction yeah so i feel like it didn't even necessarily need to delve that deep into it because we got it right i have my own issues with religion Mm -hmm. and i veer on like the judgment side of, of like super religious ideas but with her she you really do see like oh she embodied all the like 
wonderful things of, about Christianity. Yeah. Like caring about other people and caring about like the least fortunate people and just love everybody and like let's take care of everyone. And it, it's really beautiful to see that in this movie. And I definitely felt like, is this too positive of a portrait that they're painting of this person? But watching the documentary, that's what she was like. And there's stuff on the internet too of people saying like, I worked with her on the 700 Club or on the PTL network and she was that person. She yeah. was so kind. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is the thing. Like it's easier, part it's it. easier for a rich man to fit through the head of a needle than to get through the doors of heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the thing. Like like she said, that one line in the movie, I worry, are we equating prosperity and financial success? Right. Or are we shaming people who don't have that right. with this? Mm-hmm. Like she, they were making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. And yeah, there's the part where she doesn't know how much she's earning or whatever, mm. but she's living in a mansion and buying mink coats. Yeah, like you so, know. <laughs> yeah, the excess, she's being willfully blind to her circumstance and her situation. Yeah. And these televangelicals that are worth millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and there's a lot of them in yeah. America, I really think that they're the most rotten people I can mm-hmm. think of. Yeah. Because yeah. the hypocrisy yeah. is just so outrageous to me. Well, you see her going back and forth yeah. with the hypocrisy. Of course, of because you don't want to give up that film. mansion, honey. Yeah. No one wants to give up that lifestyle once they have it, mm-hmm. right? But And she was also like the first of her kind too so it's not like now you get into it and you kind of know what it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. I think it was all new territory but also I can see how like if that's your job and you're working really hard oh yeah you can justify it and you you own a television station and the television station is making millions of dollars but it's you so you know there's always justification well it's also hard too when you grow up with nothing and then you give everything to a man and you give everything to this you know show and this career and then you start to see the dark side of it and how deep you're in it yeah how hard it is to take the blinders off and actually Mm -hmm. you know of course see the shit storm that you've entered into yeah Mm -hmm. and are a part of Yeah. yeah one last thing i want to say about this i do appreciate as well that this film seems it feels like there's a bit of a zeitgeist moment happening right yeah. now where mm-hmm. we're examining all of these women who have yes. been really like torn apart by the media, yes. right? From like the Britney. Brit- the couple of Britney documentaries, the Britney Murphy one yeah. that's coming out, right? The Monica Lewinsky one that came yeah. out, the Whitney documentary, the film that's coming out, Lady Di, Diana, yeah. right? It's like there's an examination, a re-examining of these women who have become punchlines in the media and us kind of reflecting and being like, what was our part to play in this? And can we see them in a different light? Like their stories deserve to be told Mm -hmm. in a different light. And I really appreciate that that is what this film did, right? For Tammy Faye. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into that performance, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could have watched Jessica Chastain play this character for like 24 hours straight. I was obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so entertaining. I thought she did such a good job. And it was so real. Yeah, I will say... In terms of emotionally. Oh, totally. (laughs) It took me a bit to get into. And I don't know whether it was the cheeks or just the overall campness of it all. Mm -hmm. But like at the beginning, really, like she's playing a character. And this character is big. Yes. But Mm -hmm. then, you know, when you realize that that is Tammy Faye, Mm -hmm. what existed as a character. Mm -hmm. um, And that everything single thing was really spot on like then I warmed up to the performance in a big way and I was like wow yeah she was really captivating she holds the screen like she's remarkable yeah yeah no I think she really did shine through the prosthetics yeah 
Definitely. Oh, for sure. I think you are taken aback because she does look so different and yeah. you're aware that she's wearing prosthetics. Yeah. yeah. It's not her face. Yeah. yeah. But she has so much charm and so much warmth to mm-hmm. her. She has a lot of Tammy Faye qualities to mm-hmm. her. And the giggle was incredible. <laughs> yeah, the voice. So good. Yeah. At that little giggle after different things she would say yeah. and she'd make a joke and maybe somebody else wouldn't laugh, but she'd still do that little yeah. giggle. Like she'd get a kick out of it. Uh, there were little things like that that I loved. I loved her nails opening yes. Diet Coke cans. Yes. <laughs> like, I've just been really into ASMR lately. Like, I fall asleep to, like, a crackling fire. <laughs> I love the sound of rain, all this stuff. So every time she opened the pop can, I just, like, loved it. I loved the sound of it. Yeah, just the little things about the characterization I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I thought Andrew Garfield was really good, too. I agree. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of criticism about him in this performance that it's like over the top and that he's miscast. And I just disagree. Because I thought it was pretty spot on Mm -hmm. in terms of actually watching Jim Baker after. I was like, oh, that's that guy. This emotionally manipulative yeah. charismatic little weasel of a yes. man <laughs> and these are like tv evangelicals they are literally the most over the top extra yeah. people yeah. that exist yeah and i didn't really have a relationship with jim baker watching this so he could have done anything and i wouldn't have really noticed but it all just seemed to fit together mm-hmm. the way it was supposed to so mm-hmm. i i really liked him in it so in terms of technical aspects of this movie we've talked about the makeup already I was reading a little bit about Jessica Chastain's experience with the makeup and she says that she has probably done permanent damage to her skin no doubt (laughs) because of the makeup in this film like she would sit between four and seven hours in the makeup chair (gasps) and it was so heavy on her face that she says like when it would come off she's like I look like I'm 50 years old like it was pulling at her skin yeah and I'm gonna be honest even if she gets an Oscar. I don't know if that's worth it. Well, but she'll have all the money to get all the surgery, so it's yeah. probably of fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's also a claustrophobic feeling to yeah. have prosthetics on your face yeah. Yeah. that much. I loved the font. Oh, yeah. This may be, be, maybe this is like a nerdy thing to notice, but I loved the font that mm. was used. Well, you, I mean, Edison, you didn't see it because you didn't. No, uh, I missed the Oh, that's sort of like opening. 70s. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. sitcom. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and I looked it, it up and it's called um, <laughs> Fabiola. Oh, that makes sense. Fabiola. And I was like, <laughs> what, the aesthetic what other is Fabiola. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. It had the 70s feel to it. I thought it was great. You don't really see font like that. Okay, so what's the last word, y'all? I really enjoyed this movie. I found it super entertaining. Jessica Chastain's performance is incredible. Do we think she's... Well, she'll be nominated, I imagine. Is she going to win? I don't know Might yet. be too early Definite to say. Nomination. Too early. Yeah. Yeah. Sinclair? Yeah, I think this movie's really watchable. Jessica Chastain is great in it. Yeah, it gave me an insight in, into Tammy Faye Baker that I... I, did, I was not aware of. And watch that interview with Steve Peters because it's really, really mm. moving. Mm. Yeah, the last word for me is that I also really enjoyed this film. I will echo you. I think it's anchored by some really, really fantastic performances. And I appreciate it being introduced to this character that really only existed in my mind as this like pop culture punchline. Mm. I loved learning more about Tammy Faye, but I do wish that the movie had have dived a bit more into actually what made her tick. I still mm. felt like there's a sort of a glossy filter separating mm. us from like the real woman underneath the makeup. But also like 
that's what made her a star and right. that's what maybe that's what makes a star fascinating to begin with mm-hmm. so you know great guys of tammy faye love it have you never done pictures without those eyelashes no, nope and i never will because that's my trademark and you know if i take that away then it's not me and no one's gonna want to look at me without my trademark so i hold on to that even if we soften them up no and kept... no you can do anything you want but my eyelashes stay right where they are that's really you mm. Yeah, this is who I am. In this segment, we challenge ourselves to watch movies that fit a particular theme. In contrast to last episode's theme of The Seven Deadly Sins, (laughs) this week's theme is Seven Heavenly Virtues. In case all you sinners need a reminder, the virtues (laughs) are chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. How many of those would you say that you possess, Miss Sinclair? <laughs> wow, Edison. <laughs> More than you, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is our week in entertainment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Helen, you go first. Okay. So I was struggling with this, this theme this week. And I texted Miss Sinclair and I said, I don't know what to do. And she was like, which virtue do you want to do? I was like, I don't actually care. Just like, I just want to watch a good movie and I want it to be fucked up. And she's like, well, that was last week, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> this is the heavenly virtues. <laughs> week late. And I was like, ugh. This is just... where you watch powder. Yeah. What's powder? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm such a baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so you had suggested that I watch Happy Go Lucky mm-hmm. with Sally Hawkins, which I have not seen. I've also not seen it. Oh, we should watch it together because I, I didn't do it. But um, <laughs> but the reason I didn't do it is because of the bajillion streaming things I subscribed to. It was not on a single one of them. Rude. So then I started thinking about Sally Hawkins and I decided to do a different Sally Hawkins movie, mm-hmm. which longtime listener Haley was bugging me when we first started this podcast to do an episode on this movie. And I was like, no, Hales, I'm not doing a stupid kids movie. And it turns out that the sequel to the movie that I watched, which is the one she wanted me to watch, was the most reviewed film to stay at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it Paddington 2? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, I love yes. Paddington. So I watched Paddington, the first one. Okay. I love Paddington. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you've seen it. I cried. Have you seen it? No. It's sad. It's actually really sad. I haven't seen it's very it. very touching. But yeah, Paddington 2 has a 100% rating on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yes, I did the first Paddington. I wasn't going to watch the sequel before I watched the first one. So this came out in 2014. Here is the description courtesy of IMDb. A young Peruvian bear travels to London in search of a home. Finding himself lost and alone at Paddington Station, he meets the kindly Brown family who offer him a temporary haven. So I did kindness. That's the virtue mm-hmm. I chose to do. Oh, Sinclair looks like she's going to cry right now. I, his little outfit. His little outfit. Train state. No, his little like, label around his neck. This one really it's, ruined me. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Surprised. So it was directed by Paul King and it stars Hugh Bonville mm-hmm. from uh, Downton Down Abbey, Sally Hawkins, and Ben Wishaw is the voice of Paddington. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this character was created by Michael Bond in the late 1950s when he saw a lone teddy bear in a London store window near Paddington Station. This was on Christmas Eve. Uh, so he bought it and brought it home to his wife. And then it is said that he was also inspired to write this story based on children being evacuated by train during World War II 
who had labels around their necks and all of their possessions in small suitcases. Wow. And mm. the labels so would say like... a real heart of inspiration in mm-hmm, this. I love mm-hmm. that. And the labels would say like, I need a home. Oh. Like these ch- children would just be put on a train with like a label and like hopefully somebody gives them a home. It's fucking devastating. So that is how Paddington ends up coming to London in this film is with all of his possessions in a small suitcase and a label around his neck saying like, please give this bear a home. I know, Sinclair, I know. (laughs) So much. Yeah. And so he shows up at Paddington Station and he's expecting everyone to be really gracious and welcoming and warm and no one gives him the time of day. Although no one questions the talking bear, which I find a Mm. bit odd that they just accept in this world that a talking bear exists. They're too busy. They're too busy (laughs) rushing to work. Yeah. And so he just waits on the platform, makes friends with some pigeons, and um, is hoping that someone will come and like adopt him from the train platform. And then it is the kindest actress in the world, Sally Hawkins, who decides to come and pick him up, Uh, much to the uh, chagrin of her husband, Hugh Bonfield, is like, no, that's just a homeless person, homeless bear. We don't take homeless bears here. So yeah, I mean, it's such a heartwarming, sweet film. It's definitely a family film. Like, there's moments of it that I'm like, okay, this I could see little kids, like, thinking it's hilarious that he sticks toothbrushes in his ears and everything. But there's also so much in it for adults as well. And I think the thing that that struck me the most about this movie was what I would consider to be quite obvious with it is the comparison to anti-immigration sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. so much of it is about, like, how we can't bring this thing to our house and... It has different customs than we have. And the neighbors don't want the bear in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And if one comes in, they're all going to come. And like that, there's so much of that in the film, which is obviously then the moral of it is no to embrace everyone. And this came out in 2014. 2014. Right. So it would have been right after the massive refugee crisis coming out of the Middle East and into Europe, right? Yeah. There is a taxidermist villain in this movie. You know who it's played by. Do you know who it's played by? It has to be the guy who played Willard. It's a woman. Oh, no, I don't know then. Nicole Kidman. (gasps) Oh, I did know that. Yeah. And I didn't know that. And I was like, Nicole Kidman's in this movie? What? And apparently her agent didn't think that she would want to do it. And so turned it down the first offer and then it came up again and brought it to Nicole thinking like she's going to say no. And she was like, I'm obsessed with Paddington Bear. When I was a kid, all I wanted was Paddington to come to my house. This is the closest I can get to that. Of course, I'm going to do this movie. I I, I just want to end my discussion of Paddington with this quote that Paddington says at the end of the film. (laughs) Mrs. Brown says that in London, everyone is different and that means anyone can fit in. I think she must be right because although I don't look like anyone else, I really do feel at home. I'll never be like other people, but that's all right because I'm a bear. A bear called Paddington. Aww. It's honestly just so freaking sweet. I love that. And it's on Netflix and I highly recommend. What a wonderful lesson. Yeah. Mm. All right, Edison, what did you do? All right, so my film this week is one of the most celebrated films of the 90s and a pretty much constant fixture on any, like, 100 greatest films of all time list. This is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, okay. From 1998, directed by Steven Spielberg, for which he won an Oscar. And the virtue here is a lot of them, to be honest, but Mm. diligence Mm. being Mm -hmm. the one most Mm -hmm. focused on. So Saving Private Ryan is set in World War II during the Normandy landings and follows Captain John H. Miller, who's played by Tom Hanks, as he and his squad are sent on a mission to rescue Private James Francis Ryan, played by Matt Damon, a soldier presumed alive but lost behind enemy lines. 
So Private Ryan is just this regular soldier, right? But he's the last remaining survivor of four sons. His other right. three brothers all having died in combat. So this general back in America, George C. Marshall, learns this. He can't bear the thought of having the Ryan mother receive news that all four of her sons had died at war. And so he basically orders this mission to find Private Ryan and bring him safely home mm-hmm. at all costs, essentially. Mm-hmm. I had maybe seen this film or part of this film when oh. it first came out when I was like 14 years old. Did not watch the whole thing. Did not enjoy it or think anything of it at the time. It I'm did so not surprised. Land. You're such a Spielberg fan. I know. And a Tom <laughs> Hanks fan. Like yeah. literally my two favorites. And I have just yeah. never revisited it. And so I watched this on like Sunday morning <laughs> as soon as I woke up. And like the film opens with this old man walking into this military mm, cemetery yeah. with row after row of like these uniform white crosses. And he stops at this grave and the emotions well up in him. I'm, I'm about 90 seconds into this movie and I'm already literally weeping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still full from this Friendsgiving dinner that I had had the night before and a little bit hungover, so a bit tender. Frank, this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It seems like I'm stating the most obvious thing in the world because <laughs> everyone knows how amazing this movie is. <laughs> but it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, then the main sequence that takes us in is actually the the landing of the American troops on Omaha Beach in Normandy. And Tom Hanks is leading his battalion of soldiers there from the ships to storm the German defense set up along the beach. And this this is like historically one of the most famous military moments like in the mm-hmm. history of war, right? It's D-Day. And Saving Private Ryan, the movie captures this storming of Omaha Beach in like one of the most harrowing sequences yeah. I have ever seen put to oh, film. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. It's so gut-wrenching and brutal. It's like really difficult to watch. Just like these bodies being ripped yeah, to shreds yeah. by the German weaponry, arms blown off, heads exploding, cries of anguish. And so much of it is shot in this like handheld style. Right. And so there's these really, really like tight angles where we're right along the soldiers' feet in the sand or their heads or their hands on their rifles. And that style maintains through the rest of the battle sequences in this film. The thing that is really unique about this film is the the main premise, that question of like, mm. what is the worth of one life right. in the face of duty? Like, what, what do you prioritize? Because right. he's just one basically kind of unremarkable, yeah. just like a person, yeah. right? And all of these people are going to be sacrificed to yeah. rescue him for his mother's sake, maybe, or for some bigger idea about mm-hmm. not leaving someone behind, right? No man left behind or mm-hmm. not trading a life. Like that's something that carries on in in all kinds of films. It's Captain America saying in Avengers, right. you know? And I think it's really unique. And Tom Hanks's approach is like, this is the military. We just follow orders. Right. These are the orders. So this is what you do. Yeah. That is the call to duty. That mm-hmm. is your job. I don't know. I just think it's it poses some really interesting questions. Mm-hmm. The highlight of this film is the performances, Mm -hmm. no doubt. Led really by Tom Hanks, Mm -hmm. who is just extraordinary in everything, of course. And at this point, he's really like at the peak, right? It's like Tom Hanks at the most. Yeah. And Tom Sizemore, who plays his right-hand man, Sergeant Horvath. His performance is really great in this. But like the supporting cast is ridiculous. Edward Burns, Paul Giamatti, Ted Danson, Barry Pepper, Giovanni Rabisi, Adam Goldberg, Jeremy Davies, even friggin' Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, yeah. <laughs> and of course, Matt Damon, mm-hmm. who doesn't show up until probably two-thirds of the way through when they finally find him. But he is just completely incandescent. Overall, this movie is absolutely one of the best 
that I've seen, one of the best war films I've seen. It was really, really beautifully done, so emotional and moving, and I, I mean, I feel so stupid that it took me <laughs> this long to watch it, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so I actually went with Chastity, which is the opposite oh. of last week, which was Lust. 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 <laughs> mm. Okay, I watched a movie called Mustang. Mm. It's from 2015. It's directed by Denise Gamze Ergurvin. Uh, this is a Turkish film that was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film in 2015. Mm, I remember. I've been meaning to watch it. Quick synopsis via okay. IMDb. When five orphan girls are seen innocently playing with boys on a beach, their scandalized conservative guardians can find them while forced marriages are arranged. Mm-hmm. So this came out in 2015, and there was a lot of comparisons to Sofia Coppola's The Virgin Suicides. Mm-hmm. They were calling it like the Turkish Virgin Suicides. Okay. They aren't really the same, even though they have a similar premise. But with this one, there is also the element of the film being in Turkey. So it's portrayed through a different cultural lens, yeah. which makes the experience a lot different. But yes, five girls have been living with their uncle and grandmother who have been their guardians, and they just get caught innocently playing with some boys after school. They're at the beach, they're in the water, the girls go up on the boys' shoulders, and that's that. They go home, and word has already spread, and their grandmother is just mortified and livid with them, and she proceeds to reprimand them. So there is already scandal surrounding these girls in the matter of like minutes the amount of time it takes them to come home has the time i know (laughs) yeah a a neighbor went and told the grandmother it's a small village so the grandmother and the uncle are are all up in arms because a lot of a woman's valuation for marriage is if she's a virgin So they all get locked up in the house and anything that could possibly pervert them in any way is removed. So no makeup, no magazines, everything's locked away and they have to wear these very unflattering like potato sack kind of outfits. (laughs) I watched this film and I was, as you know, I said with Tammy Faye, I was in this state where I just watch things and I go, what the fuck? is everything yeah like you're like how is this real i just have these moments of nothing is nothing makes sense everything is made up and i just have these moments of not believing that anything is real Mm -hmm. yeah because you're like how can this actually be real yeah and how do people believe these things or how Mm -hmm. do these things exist and then i have a crisis so (laughs) anyway back to the film so Where your nihilistic tendencies come from, I think it's a way of dealing this with is so these much. feelings. So these girls are feeling this sexual shame and it's drilled into them at such a young age and they have to hide their bodies and they can't act flirtatious and you can see how confused they are about themselves and what they're feeling and then what these expectations are. There's a scene where one of them is forced into an arranged marriage and on the wedding night she has sex with her new husband and there is no blood on the sheet oh so he starts freaking out and he's like they're gonna come in and check Mm. like they're gonna come in and check for the blood there's no blood where's the blood like are you not a virgin Mm. and the the adults are actually outside like waiting to come into the room to check the sheets 
to make sure she was a virgin. I, this is just so fucking 14th century. Like, yeah, yeah. So I was getting all up in arms about that. And can like, can you imagine that? Like, no. that's your first. That's your first experience. You don't do something that, by the way, doesn't happen to everybody. No, it's not something that always happens. Anyway, okay, so. So what, did she cut herself so she could bleed on the sheets or what? No, she has to go to the doctor and he has to access, uh, like, oh, okay. um, he has to this is examine her. her. Oh, God. But throughout the film, they also have to take part in virginity tests where they go and get examined by a doctor who can say, yes, they're still a virgin. They're still intact and blah, blah, blah. And they're still okay to, you know, be married. The story's protagonist, it's its actually seen through the young youngest sister's eyes, uh, Lael. And she's seen these restrictions that are put on them and, and her sisters, but she's also seen her sisters experience their sexuality and question things and rebel against things. Mm. Lael, from a young age, wants to escape all this. She knows something's not right, and she, she wants to leave this place to the point where she tries to teach herself how to drive. I'm an only child. I don't have sisters, but watching this film. I'm your sister. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, sis. Thank you. But watching this film, the chemistry between the sisters is really amazing. None of them had really acted before. They had this closeness to them where you really believe that they're related, Mm -hmm. that they spend all this time together Mm -hmm. in the house. And yeah, there's this, this film feels very, very female. And the director received a lot of criticism in Turkey. From, oh. from doing this film. A lot of backlash to the point where she was like, I'm never going to shoot a film in Turkey again. Okay. And she's French and Turkish. Okay. So France really embraced the film. Can really embraced the mm-hmm. film. And then they submitted it to the Oscars. Mm. But yeah, she received a lot of backlash for it. And she just has a quote that she said, what seems striking to me is that there's this filter of sexualization through which women are perceived in Turkey and it shapes their place in society. It's something that starts at a very early age, as early as the characters in the film. I wanted to question that deeply. Mm. And then she says, film is my tool. It's how I switch people's minds onto something. It's how I participate. Mm -hmm. So it's her way of, you know, shining a light on this. Yeah, so it's a a really interesting film. It angered me to no end, but that's the point, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah, chastity. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it got me thinking all about the Britney Spears thing, right. too, and how this is an obsession in all cultures, yeah. not just Turkey. It's all yeah. cultures. Like, even North America. Why were why was the media asking Britney Spears if, if she, she was, was a virgin? virgin? I know, seriously. Mm-hmm. And how Jessica Simpson. All, all, all of Disney them. girls. How weird yeah. was that? Yeah. It's so fucking weird. Anyway, Mustang. Okay. Oh, I thought they called the film Mustang. This was my own interpretation that Mustangs are very free and wild and the girls dreamt of, you know, their freedom. All right, now it's time for a fun little game I like to call... Who do you worship? Ooh. Yes, I've been thinking about this game for days. Whitney. Um, (laughs) Naomi. No, that's not the game. So I'm going to give each of you an actor or an actress, and you need to tell me which religion they uh, abide by. 
subscribe what do you to? do to oh, subscribe to? Really subscribe to <laughs> unsubscribe yeah <laughs> okay who would like to go first i would okay edison no peeking at my laptop okay no well you cheating. have to turn it because it's actually well, in my yeah okay i'll just okay okay face okay. the wall edison do you happen to know which religion julia roberts subscribes to julia roberts is a, a baptist is that your final answer yes incorrect Excellent. She's uh, Hindu. Um, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's from the South. It's my best guess. <laughs> Sinclair, mm. what religion did Marilyn Monroe subscribe to? Hare Krishna. Is that your final answer? <laughs> no, she's not hippie enough for Hare Krishna. <laughs> uh, I thought, was she really... Taoist? I'm trying to remember if she was really like conservative or not. Um, Catholic? Judaism. Oh. Monroe grew up as an evangelical Christian, but converted to du- Judaism when she married playwright Arthur Miller. Mm. That makes sense. It's O for O here at Who Do You Worship headquarters. <laughs> Edison, what religion does Catherine Heigl subscribe to? Who is she? I don't know her. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I know. I'm joking. Um, Catherine Heigl is a Scientologist. That's a good guess. Is that your final answer? Can I steal? Ooh. Oh. Is that your final answer? Well, no, because you said that's a good guess, which would lead me to believe <laughs> okay, that Okay, so it's accurate. wrong. You it's can wrong. guess one more time. Okay. What? No, he can't. Well, because I gave him too good of a hint there. Like He cannot I... guess another time. <laughs> okay. Uh, is she, um, What was the one with the red... Bracelet? No, that uh, I was gonna say Kabbalah with my steel. Kabbalah, Kabbalah. No, you're both wrong. Oh. Okay, she's well. Mormon. Oh, the what? fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kabbalah is the red bracelet. Though. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's Madonna, isn't it? Yeah, at least oh, in that yeah, phase. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sinclair, are you ready? No, Still zero. I guess zero. not. Who does Erica Christensen worship? Oh, her, I what? don't know well, who that is. Swim fan. Swim fan. <laughs> she worships Jesse Bradford. Swim. She worships <laughs> Jesse Bradford. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, okay, so she's young in Hollywood. So I mean, what else is there other than Scientology? When that you're church young that in Bieber Hollywood, goes to. I mean, she could be in Jared Leto's cult. She could be in the cult. The of Jared Andrew Leto Keegan. cult. I think that's all the same one. What's that one called? The um, thirty thirty seconds to Mars cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Gucci cult. Um, uh, Buddhism. Final answer. Sure. Scientologist. Oh, damn oh it. okay. I thought that. <laughs> see, I thought that was too on, on the, the nose. nose. But yeah. also, who is she? Yeah. Swim fan. <laughs> Uh, all right, this is the last round, and if neither of you get a point, I do have a tiebreaker for you. Okay. Which we will also get wrong. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> this is a difficult game, apparently. Um, I just spent so much time preparing it that mm. it made it really hard. Uh, all right, Edison. <laughs> what religion does Orlando Bloom worship? He's a Taoist. A Buddhist. Final answer? Yes. Correct! Yes. Finally. Of Got course one. he is. <laughs> Damn it. Buddhist was my last answer. 
See, it's the only other thing in young Hollywood. You're a Scientologist or you're a Buddhist. Or, or you're whatever that um, Bieber thing is. Yeah, the I church think it's like some new something. Christian thing. I yeah. don't know. All right, Sinclair. What religion does Laura Prepon worship? Oh, no, I know this. Really? Yeah. I, well, I guess like, I guess Scientology. Yes. Oh, wow. You just gave her that point. But yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so now we... this is what I mean. Young Hollywood. There's only I two. I know. Actually, I'm going to do a different tiebreaker. The first one of you to tell me three actors who have played Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Oh. Can, wait, can we... Willem Dafoe... Oh, no, no. In a had, hurry. We're doing it at the yeah, same go. time. Willem Dafoe... Killian uh, Murphy... Killian Murphy? Yeah. No. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, Joaquin well, Phoenix, No, and, Joaquin Phoenix did it. Yes. Yes, he did. And Mary uh, Magdalene, um, Jim Caviezel. Damn yeah. it, Jim Caviezel! <laughs> <laughs> Praise Jesus. Sinclair, you get a free pass to heaven, which you really don't deserve. <laughs> Well, that was the first and only episode of Who Do You Worship? Or What Do You Worship? I forget what I called it. (laughs) Congratulations, Sinclair. Yes. (laughs) Well, this... Oh, by the way, I got all of that information from um, MarieClaire.com. So if it's wrong, don't at me. It's Marie Claire. (laughs) Except for the Jesus thing. I came up with that on my own. Yeah. Well, this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me. If you would like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Tweet at us at TMTM Podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Become a Patreon member. Patreon.com slash talkmovietome. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. <laughs> Forgot my name. <laughs> Bye. 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 Ugh. <laughs>